0: Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Uh, I thought we would start off a little different this morning. I wanted to just start off by reading the passage of Scripture uh, that we're going to look at today. Uh, It's it's not one that you would typically think of as a Christmas Scripture. Um, It's actually from the book of 1 John. Uh, So a lot of times, you know, people are reading at the beginning of Matthew or Luke or maybe Isaiah if we want to go Old Testament. But today, I want you to turn to... 1 John chapter 3, if you have a Bible, uh, if you have a phone, just go to 1 John chapter 3. If you didn't bring any of that, you can check it out on the screen behind me. 1 John chapter 3 is an interesting passage. I don't know that it's really about Christmas, but we're going to use it to start our Christmas series today. 1 John chapter 3, I'm going to read these uh, first two verses, and then we'll jump into the message. John says this, he says, See what great love... The Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And he says, "Dear friends. I like when John calls me his friend. It makes me feel like we're buddies. Like like I know this guy. You know, if you read, if you read the gospel of John or first, second, third John, a lot of times you feel like, man, I know this guy. Like this guy could be my dad or this guy could be like my uncle or like my Sunday school teacher at church when I was growing up. He just so he creates this like family feeling and it's like he's this he's this at this point it's old man just passing down this Wisdom And he just says, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. My prayer for you this year on the, on the first week of the best Christmas ever, the first thing I think you need to do to have the best Christmas ever, I think you need to see Jesus for who he is. I think you need to see this love that John talks about, this great love. I want to take us back today. I want to take us way back to elementary school. Can you go back to elementary school with me? I don't know what elementary school you went to. I went to Hugh Dingus Great School. What, I don't, it was, it was, it was kindergarten all the way through sixth grade. It had two buildings. It wasn't one room, but it was close, okay? In, in, um, uh, Harts Creek, West Virginia. Like, it was a, it was a small little school, man, but it was great. Like, Hugh Dingus, great school. I remember, I remember there was this girl, I'm not going to tell you what grade I was in because that might be a little embarrassing, but there was this girl I liked. Her name was Carolyn. And, and there is a protocol in grade school, elementary school, or whatever, uh, when, when before you, really before, for me, it was before I went to junior high, because in junior high, people started getting, like, you know, freaky and stuff, and, but, but elementary school, people were still just kind of innocent, you know, and so there was this protocol that when you liked somebody, there were steps that you had to go through to declare your affection. And does anybody know what the first step you had to do? It was a note. (laughs) And this note would have several, you know, different statements, and they they varied, and and I'm just going to kind of put them together um, uh, into kind of one note that I think we all probably will see bits and pieces of our elementary school experience in. Um, The first line on this note, Carolyn would say, you know, Carolyn, do you like me? Yes, no, or maybe. Second line, and maybe you didn't go this extreme, maybe you weren't this dramatic as a kid, but sometimes the second line would say, Do you love me? Yes, no, maybe. Last line, will you be my girlfriend? Yes, no, maybe. And protocol dictated that you did not hand-deliver this note yourself. Lord, no. You would use an intermediary. You would use another person, a friend, a best friend, to fold up your note and then tuck the little corner into the pocket that you created. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? You fold it in a certain way with the triangles, and then you tuck the little corner. And you would have them take this note... To either, like if you were daring, your friend would take it directly to the girl, but a lot of times you would take it to the girl's friend. And so you had to go through all of these different hoops, right? And one time I got one back. I had those questions, right? Like, do you like me? Yes, no, or maybe? No. Do you love me? Yes, no, maybe? No. Will you be my girlfriend? Yes, no, or maybe? Maybe. (laughs) What? (laughs) I got the note back, and I'm like, what do I do with this? No, no, maybe. All right, well, elementary school. Man, I wish, I wish love was, sometimes I wish love was that easy, but we all know that. And I'm not trying to, I don't want to make light of anybody's experience. Maybe you met your spouse, and you've been together since elementary school, and it all started over a note. That's great. Uh, but we know that's not real. I mean, like I don't, and I'm not trying to make light of it Here, here's why we know it's not it's not like real love because real love doesn't hide behind notes and real love doesn't use intermediaries to declare love's affection real love risks rejection real love puts itself on the line real love pursues real love seeks I might be old-fashioned but I remember when I was Declaring my affection for hope. I remember when I was declaring it, and, and I, was, I, was, I was in love with this girl. I didn't, I didn't send her a note through an intermediary. Do you like me? No, 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 no. What did I do? I called her up on the phone. I said, hey, I got your number from a friend of mine. Would you like to go out sometime? And I, I initiated, because real love initiates. Real love pursues. Real love risks. Real love seeks out. I didn't I didn't ask her to go out on a date and then expect her to pay because real love sacrifices. Matter of fact, I had to sacrifice because I, I was a dirt poor college kid, so I had to. To, to go out on a date with her, I had to drive to Chattanooga and like sit in a chair and let them stick a needle in my arm and take the blood out of my arm, strip it of plasma, shoot the rest of it and some saline back up in my arm and get 25 or 30 bucks because I wanted to go out on a date with her because real love does whatever you have to do to declare your intentions. To declare your affection, to declare that 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 I I want to be in relationship with you. So I would most of the time in the beginning, not certainly not every time, because like I said, I was dirt poor and we lived a far ways away from each other, like an hour away from each other. But but initially I drove to where she was. Hello? Some of some of the guys in our culture today, they need to like step up to the plate, dog. Like like I I, I went to her church hour away i slept on her church pews because i wanted to spend the whole day with her right like i pursued her when when we when, when i wanted to ask her to marry me i initiated a conversation with her parents i didn't just pop the question i said hey uh, I'm, I'm i'm you know i don't know what i said but something like hey i'm in love with your daughter i, w- I would like to uh to marry her i would like to have your blessing for for this marriage and asked them both in the middle of Monterey's Mexican restaurant in Cleveland, Tennessee. <laughs> you can't buy expensive food on a on a teacher assistant salary that paid for your tuition. <laughs> you got no, I was working at the fireworks store, dog. Like like that's all that's all I could afford. And that was scrounging everything together. But um real love, real love declares and listen, I'm, I'm cool with like girl power and equality and if a girl wants to ask a guy out, that's cool But I know this as a dad when my little girl gets ready to date some punk little kid better look me in the eye And ask her out at me not her. He better he, he better, you know put his britches on and come to my house and pick my little girl up because that's my little girl and That might sound old-fashioned. I don't care, but that's my little girl. Anyway Enough of my soapbox. Let's get back to the message. Real love, real love. John says this. He says this in, in, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. He, he, it's like John, John kind of like steps out of, of, of life, and he's kind of looking at this from a perspective of observing what God has done, and he's, he's kind of looking around. And he's going, do, do you see this? Do you see what great love the Father has poured out on us? He said, he's like, do you see this? This isn't just a concept. This isn't some kind of philosophical love. This isn't just some, this some like, like, like hearsay love. No, no, no. This love is grounded in actuality, John is saying. He says, do you see it? You can see it. You can touch it. You can feel it. It's a, it's a love that takes action. This isn't a love that was passive. This is a love that has been lavished upon us. This is a great love, John says. We, we could say this is an extraordinary love. We could say this is an extravagant love. John is saying John is saying it's, it's, it's both the quantity of love. Like, look around. Do you see how much love the Father has poured on us? But it's not just quantity. It's also quality. He's saying, do you see how much love, and do you see how amazing it is? And it's just blowing his mind. He's overwhelmed at the love of God that he's, he's trying to take in and look at and, and, and grab hold of. He's, he's caught up in the wonder. That's what that phrase, what great love. He's, he's caught up and astonished by what God has done. It says, see what great love the Father Has lavished on us that word "see." It's an interesting word. It's 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 the word, and it means both. I'm about to reveal something about the person's identity, and it also means invitation. In the Gospel of John, John the Baptist will see Jesus coming, and he'll say, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." That word "Behold" is the same word John uses here for "see." Look, 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 I'm about to reveal the identity of this person coming, John the Baptist says. He is the Lamb of God, come to take away the sins of the world. John says, do you see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be children of God? By using that word, it's like a prophetic, uh, a prophetic note saying, hey, pay attention, I'm about to reveal who you are because of this love of God. But it's not just identity, it's also invitation, because when when Jesus and his, and his followers, when they meet somebody who's a potential, a potential disciple or a potential believer in Christ, they'll say, hey, hey, I want you to come and see. Same word. So simultaneously, John is speaking prophetically about our identity in Christ because of the love of God, that we are his children, and at the same time offering an invitation for us to experience that love and become his children. It's this this amazing love that he's just blown away by. And He says, do you see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God? And look what he says, and he says, that's what we are. He says, I don't want any of you to have any question or doubt. When you come into relationship with God, when you receive his love, you are his child. You are not an orphan. You have a father. You are loved. You are saved. You are redeemed. You are brought into his family. You are not left alone, John says. I want you to know and understand that this love has made you part of God's family. And he says, of course, the reason the world doesn't know us, because it didn't know him. In other words, he says, don't be shocked. (laughs) Don't be surprised when people look at you weird and different. Don't be surprised that when you express your love for God because of his love for you, that people don't look at you weird. Don't be surprised when people don't look at you because you lift your hands and sing, and they look at you odd, like, what's up with that guy? they did the same thing to Jesus, John says. And he goes on, he goes on, he says, dear friends, now we are children of God. But don't be mistaken. Just because that's already who you are doesn't mean God's finished. Look what He says. He says, "What we will be has not yet been made known." But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. I think the number one thing you need this Christmas more than anything else, more than more than a gift, more than more than uh, time with your family, more than uh, more, more than a uh, year in bonus, more than, more than time off work, more than any of that, I am convinced that our number one need this year is to see Jesus as He is. To see Him, because we know if we see Him as He is, we'll become more like Him. Which is exactly why worship is so important, because whatever we worship, we become like. Whatever we behold, we become. John's saying, I want you to behold the love of God so that you can become what that love wants to make you into children of God and yet and yet it's not like he's not even finished he's still he's still working on us because even though we are experiencing transformation John says and right now we are God's children we're not all we're going to be like there's still work to do. Some people get in this Christian relationship thing and they're like, oh, I guess God's finished. No, no, no. God's got so much more work to do in your life. And it's not that you're, it's not that you're flawed. You're completely whole. You're completely accepted. And yet He still wants to make you more whole than you are, already are. It's crazy. John is just. He's just surveying the love of God, and he's blown away by it. He's just overwhelmed at the magnitude of the quantity and quality of this love. And he's saying, this love has already changed me. It's already made me a child of God. And yet, at the same time, there's more to come. There's more than this. When he is revealed, when he appears, I will become like him because I'm not already, even though he's already working on me, making me who I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars. The sun, the earth, and Jupiter, and Mars. Nobody knows, but he's still working on me, John says. Jump down with me to verse 16. I want you to see this. So he's looking around at this love. He's like, do you see? Do you you see? Do you see this love? And then verse 16, he says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So what, John, do do you see What great love the Father has lavished on us. Well, John, what does love look like? How how do we know what love is? Like, can you give us a definition of love, John? And he says, yeah, yeah, I can. Love looks like Jesus. Love looks like Jesus laying down his life for us. Now, I want to pause right here because... People of vertical church come from all different walks of life. Some grew up in church. Some never went to church before they came here. And so um, I want you to understand, and and I'm not trying to be silly or trite when I say this, but Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? It wasn't like Jesus Christ, Mary, and Joseph Christ, right? Like, like it's not that Jesus would go to Cracker Barrel, excuse me, uh, Party of Five, uh, last name Christ, right? No, 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 it's not. Christ isn't his last name. Christ is more like his title, if you will, kind of, sort of. It would be maybe even more appropriate to say Jesus the Christ. And Christ is the Greek word Christos, which, is, which means chosen one or anointed one. It's, it's, it's representing the, the Hebrew idea of Messiah. In, in Hebrew scripture, in the Old Testament scripture, uh, there's this there's this prophesied anointed one who would come and and do all sorts of you know all sorts of different things. There are hundreds and hundreds of messianic prophecies in um, in the Old Testament, uh, just countless times over and over again. It talks about the Messiah, the the Messiah to come, and and we can kind of bring all of that in to mean one thing that. That, that this anointed one, this Messiah, would restore the right relationship with God, would, would restore what was lost by Adam in the garden. Adam Adam has a break in his relationship with God because of sin, and the Messiah will come, the anointed one, the chosen one, will come and restore that relationship. Give us a new heart. Give us a new spirit. Restore the Holy Spirit to us. All of these things bringing us back into right relationship with God. The reason I want you to understand that. It's because our biggest need is not financial or God would have sent Jesus the financial planner. (laughs) Your biggest need is not your marriage or God would have sent Jesus the marriage counselor. Your biggest need isn't physical or he would have sent Jesus the physical therapist. Your biggest need is a right relationship with God. So he sent Jesus the Messiah. That is your biggest problem. That's my biggest problem. My biggest problem isn't isn't that, that I have a broken water heater in my garage. The biggest problem is that my heart was broken by sin, and I need a rescuer. I need a redeemer. I was enslaved by sin, and I needed a redeemer rescuer to come and pull me out of sin and break the chain of sin on my life. So he sent Jesus to solve the biggest problem in my life. We needed someone who could walk through death and come out on the other side. We needed a a champion who could defeat all all of the forces that would be holding us down and keeping us from being fully who God created us to be. So he sent Jesus. His title indicates his purpose. His title indicates his mission. He is Jesus, the anointed one, anointed to bring freedom to the captives, to declare the acceptable year of the Lord, to give sight to the blind, Jesus, the Christ. So what does love look like? John says love looks like Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, laying down his life for us. John says this is, this is love. And, of course, that, that refers to the cross. Like, we understand that. Yes, absolutely. But I want you to see something different. I want you, to, I want you not to just limit the, 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 the story of Jesus to just, you know, Calvary, cross, tomb, resurrection. Because it's so much bigger than that. Jesus laying down his life for us includes Christmas. It includes, it includes Jesus. Isn't that what the, 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 the Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing? Isn't there a line in there? Mild he lays his glory by. He laid down his glory it's, it's, it's a reminder that Jesus Christ laid down his glory, he laid down his honor, he laid down his esteem, he laid down his rights for you and for me. Christmas is a reminder to us that God will bankrupt heaven for you. He will empty out all of his riches to come and rescue you when you need rescuing. He will, he will stop at no cost. He will not spare any expense. If it cost him his own son to redeem your life from the pit, he will pay it. Because his love pursues. His love doesn't wait. His love takes action. Because love always risks. In the divine interplay of love between the creator and the creation, God takes the, 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 the role of the initiator. God is the initiator. You and I are the responders. God steps out of the cosmos, steps out of heaven, lays down all the glories and all the benefits of home, and enters into this world to pursue you and me, to chase after us. And why is that such a big deal? Why does that even matter? And and this this is kind of the one thing I want you to see to have the best Christmas ever to start here. And it's going to be on the screen. Here's why this matters. If you don't know your role, you'll never experience peace in your soul. If you don't know your role, your role is responder. Your role is not initiator. You respond to the love of God. I'm not trying to earn God's love. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it, and yet he gives it away freely. I'm not living like I could deserve it. I'm not living like I earn it because both of those are law, lies. Both of those are false. I don't serve God out of guilt. I don't serve at the church out of guilt. If you're serving at the church out of guilt, please stop because it's not about guilt. It's about what he's given. I don't, I don't give to get a blessing. I give because I've already been blessed. I don't don't worship for a reward. I've already got a reward, and so I worship. It's, It's a response to him. So many people, when they come to church, they're looking for a reason to sing. They're looking for a reason to worship. I want you to understand, I'm not looking for a reason. I've got a reason. His name is Jesus. He is the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Rescuer. He, 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 he gave up the riches of heaven to embrace the poverty of Bethlehem. He, he traded in the glory of angels for the stench of shepherds. He exchanged a mansion for a manger. He left the warmth of his father's home to be born into a wet, dark, damp cave. I don't need a reason to be here. I don't need a reason to worship. I don't need a reason to sing. I don't need a reason to lift my hands. I don't need a reason to give. I don't need a reason to, to, to com- completely respond to him with my whole life because he's already given the reason. And I think this Christmas we should begin by considering the initiation, by considering what kind of love is this. You know, he could have just scrapped the whole thing. Like, have you ever thought about that? Like he could have just said, man, I'm done with y'all. <laughs> I'm gonna start over. And he didn't. He didn't. And he came to rescue us. And look what, look what look what John goes on to say. How do we respond to this act of God's love? So that's the initiation. Then how should our response go? And I'm here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna let John preach this, okay? I'm gonna let John preach this and let the Ships fall where they may. Check this out. First John chapter 16, verse 16, Part B. What does love look like? It looks like Jesus laying down his life for others. We ought to lay down our lives for one another. In other words, John's saying, when, when, we, when, when we see the great love of God that has been poured out into our lives, changing our identity, inviting us into relationship with Him, our, our only reasonable response to lay down our lives for one another. And he goes on, and look what he says. Like, I, he doesn't mince any words here, man. He just says it. He says, verse 17, if any one of you has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in you? John's stepping all on my toes. It hurts. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. He just says it, man. He just does it, right? Like what do you what do you do with that? John, John says, look, guys, love does something. Love gets involved. Love pursues, love seeks, love risks. Love goes after the one, even though the 99 are still in the pen. Love love is watching on the horizon for one sun to appear, and then love takes off. Love doesn't wait for the sun to get home. Love goes running. John says, what kind of love is this, and what can our reasonable response be? The only response, John says, that is even appropriate to love likewise so how can you have the best Christmas ever number one see Jesus ponder his initiation consider what great love the father has poured into your life that you you, you're you not worth it you didn't work for it you don't deserve it but you're called a child of God consider that how do you have the best Christmas ever number two What is your reasonable response? When you look around at the love of God that has been poured into your life, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to that? Let me pray for you this morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv